Hey everyone, our girl Juanita is still gone. When will this end? <laughs> Just kidding. She gets back this week. In the meantime, we're bringing you one last amazing guest co-host, Carlos Vogel. Carlos, want to introduce yourself? Hey, how are you? ¿Cómo estás? Hey. I'm Carlos Vogel. I'm also, by the way, Colombian, as Juanita is. You know, we like to mm -hmm. keep our mafia together here. So Yeah, number one reason why we chose you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. I'm actually working right now at the Center for Community Change Action as the mm -hmm. communications specialist for the FAIR immigration reform movement. I had the opportunity to work with CCC Action back in 2003 for three years when we started all this tremendous and amazing work on our immigration campaign. Mm -hmm. I had to leave CCC because at the time I was working with my H-1B visas that I did for several years until finally uh, getting my green card this year. And um, so Yay! I'm officially a green card holder since May of this year. So I'm very proud. I'm very happy that I am getting closer to my American dream and getting closer to uh, becoming a citizen and getting closer to be able to vote in four years, hopefully. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show, Carlos. And again, super congratulations on this important milestone for you with your green card. I was just so excited to hear about it over email and I'm just like so excited to congratulate you officially on air uh, on Choices and Chismes. So this week, Carlos and I are going to dig in into the presidential debate number two, numero dos. There's a lot of ground to cover with this one, so stick with us. I'm Grecia Lima. Carlos Vogel. And this is Choices and Chismes. Choices and Chismes. Choices and Chismes. Okay, let's just jump right in. Did you watch the debate, Carlos? I'm hoping that's a yes. Obviously, I did. I always of do. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. I did watch it last night. Were you watching it with others? Describe to us how, how you were watching it. Well, let me go back to the first debate. I had the opportunity to go to Central Florida and, uh, and I actually watched it with a, a, a big group of immigrants in, in, in a very small town called mm. Lakeland in Florida. So this mm -hmm. time for the second debate, I decided to be by myself at home because I yeah. knew it was it was going to be a tough one and I wanted to yeah. be as chill as possible and I wanted to be um, you know wearing my pajamas so uh, that's what I did mm. I, I was just by myself and I enjoyed that because you know I knew it was going to be tough and I wanted to be just by myself. So how how were you feeling you know as the debate was starting? I actually was feeling happy because everything that had happened previously with the leaked tape about Donald Trump talking really bad about women and what he actually does to women. So I thought it was going to be a very difficult debate for him and a better actually debate for Hillary Clinton because of exactly what just happened over the weekend. So I was mm -hmm. excited to see him and see what he had to say about the leaked tapes. Yeah. I totally agree with you in terms of the structure in which to watch this debate. I think going solo was totally the right call. I too was just going on my own. I, the first debate, I also watched it with, you know, 60 other families and immigrants and, you know, people of color. 
in Reno, Nevada. But this this one was just like I needed to have my own space. I um, I also knew that I was going to be talking over the TV and in some parts screaming. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to be disturbing other people. And I I had a different feeling prior to the debate. I think I, I was feeling a lot more anxious because I just didn't know what kind of, to quote Vice President Joe Biden, like I didn't know what kind of malarkey Trump was going to pull during the debate, you know. And I was, uh, honestly, I was like a little bit legitimately scared. I was scared for Clinton because this guy is a guy that has proven to be dangerous. He is. And has proven to just not follow the traditional rules of human decency. (laughs) Not just even the presidency, you know, but just like human decency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Let's talk a little bit about the tapes, though. Carlos, mm-hmm. you started mentioning them, and, you know, most people have heard about them. But just to give a recap, do you want to give a little bit more of an introduction into the tapes? And, like, what does that mean? What did they say? Well, as as, as most of you know, this past weekend before the debate, some tape was leaked where Trump and this TV host were discussing one of the girls and that were part of the show that they were taping and he said really really gross things about her and he basically explained what his behavior is toward women and what he really mm-hmm. thinks about them and it was very di- yep. disgusting because that's not the talk for any man and in particular for anyone running for office especially the um, the office of uh, president of the United States of America yeah So there's been a lot of speculation in terms of what does this tape mean for the Trump campaign. But I also just I think I want to talk about it as to like, what does this mean for women hearing this tape? What Trump was describing was sexual assault. It was sexual violence. It was receiving advances from a man in power. So Carlos, why why is this important for us to talk about? There are still millions of people that are undecided about who they're going to be voting for this coming election. And we have we have the moral obligation to tell all these people who he really is. To me personally, I always said that nothing that he says will surprise me anymore. But this weekend, I was like, oh, my God, I was wrong. This is really bad. And if I was surprised by that one, maybe in the next month, something else will come up and we will be surprised again. So the most important thing for us is that we have to talk to voters, especially to the undecided, about who Trump is. Because if we allow him to continue to do this, we open a big door for everyone else to do it, especially other GOP candidates that are running for office, they will feel that it's okay for them to talk that way about women and about immigrants and about Muslims and about um, African Americans and about every other group of people that is considered a minority in this country. Mm. You mentioned the Mexicans, Muslims, African Americans, and we have also heard him talk 
terribly about our communities, African-American communities, Muslims. Mm -hmm. So why is this receiving so much backlash? What is your, your perspective on that? Well, I think the most important uh, thing is that uh, this time he talked about women and about white women. And that's where the country mm -hmm. went crazy. Because all of this that is happening right now has a name. And that name is racism. Mm -hmm. And so when the American people hear him talking bad about white, especially white women, is when they went crazy. You know, they, they mm -hmm. were not that crazy when he said that Mexicans are rapists and criminals, when he, said, when he said that he wants to ban every single Muslim into this country. Nobody actually reacted that way until now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think that we need to do more to also raise that threshold, right? Like, if they're talking about other communities, if they're talking about other people and and I think well you know I'm not them or I'm not part of that group or this group we have to know that he's coming for us eventually what happens to one of us happens to all of us that's correcto at the end of the day like we gotta do a lot better <laughs> in knowing that we're all we ha all have tight fates mm -hmm. well you know Carlos You're a man, and I'm assuming at some point in your life you have been in a locker room. What do you make of this response from him that he says, oh, well, this is just locker room talk? I was outraged about that. And the only thing that I was thinking was like, maybe he owns his own locker room, and that's why he's allowed to talk <laughs> that way. Because I don't believe anywhere In the world, not even just in the U.S., in the world, a locker room will be mm. used to talk that way about women and about anyone else. And that's not a response, especially coming from a presidential candidate at this point of the race. Uh, it's unacceptable and it's outrageous. Thank you so much for saying that. I think the voice of women being outraged is really important, but I also think the voice of men saying that's not how we talk that's not locker room anything it's just also really powerful so thank you for sharing that and i think it's important i think this is relevant but i also think we need to continue to be focused on the fact that republican policies have been terrorizing women systematically and institutionally for years you know i posted on my facebook like i didn't really need to hear a tape to know that trump hates women i just needed to read his policy platform his policies show how much he's failing women mm -hmm. look at the the type of vice president that he picked governor pence has been going after women's reproductive health time and time and time mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. he was the spark on the, the, the funding Planned Parenthood crusade, and not just on reproductive health, his campaign is, is failing women in the economy. If we were to close the gender gap, we would cut poverty rate for working women in half mm -hmm. from 8.1% to 3.9%. Mm -hmm. So I want for him to be held accountable for mm -hmm. his words, But the actions that 
Republican politicians are doing are worse mm -hmm. for women than anything that they that they say. You know, mm -hmm. you're right. I totally agree with you. And Grecia, now that we uh, continue to talk about women and how bad he has behaved with them, I think we can transition mm -hmm. now to talk about something that happened during the debate, and that is when this Muslim woman asked a question to Trump about oh, yeah. Islamophobia. So I just wanted to get mm -hmm. also a sense of what you thought about his response to her question. Yeah. It was so ridiculous. I mean, Trump's response to Islamophobia was to say more Islamophobic things. <laughs> exactly. Was, I mean, I, I, I laugh to keep myself from crying because he was just saying the same talking point that he has had, which mm -hmm. is like, I will stop ISIS. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how. And that I am getting brownie points for saying radical Islamic terrorists. I mean, yeah, when I heard his answer which basically he never answered because that's mm -hmm. the, the truth. He never actually answered the question. I thought the same thing. He never, he actually never has a plan for anything. He always just says things, but he never completes even a sentence. I think my English is even better than his. And uh, <laughs> I learned it when I was in my 20s. So, and, and it was, again, disgusting the way he did it because as you said it before, he answered that question by talking bad about Muslims. So, yes, I agree with you. And uh, it was just uh, horrific. Yeah, totally. And speaking of holding him accountable, Twitter did just that. Uh, Trump mentioned Muslims need to be part of the solution and they need to report stuff as if, as if they are not already part of the solution. And Muslim Twitter started this hashtag, Muslims report stuff. One of my friends, Mohan join into this hashtag and he tweeted a very sovereign moment from from his life that said I'd like to report when two white men chased my dad down the street and told him to go back to his country after 9-11 wow I, I read so many of of this Muslim report stuff some of them were sovereign just like this one some of them were a lot more funny did you follow that that hashtag Carlos? I saw actually a couple of friends that posted things on Twitter mm -hmm. about that. And one of them actually was uh, pretty on target. And, and uh, his tweet was something like, I am a Muslim and I want to report a white guy, a mad white guy harassing a woman at a station in St. Louis. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's one of the ones that I saw. And actually, it is true. Uh, yeah. That's the reality that we're living right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of harassment, Trump said on the national stage several times that Hillary Clinton should be in jail. What do you I think of that, that was... Carlos? Well, that to me, that's the typical talk of a dictator. Oh. And that reminds me what has happened uh, in other countries like mm -hmm. Cuba, like Chile, Venezuela, where um, the presidents that are dictators actually... Um, the first thing they do when they gain power is to incarcerate their opponents. So uh, that's exactly what I thought the moment I heard him saying that and the way he said it, it was it was just nasty. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think ever in the history of the country ever a presidential candidate has said anything of that nature to another candidate. And to me, that's uh, the way dictators talk and that's why we need to be so so scared 
about the possibility of a Trump presidency. Yeah. No, I I was flo my my jaw literally dropped when I heard him say you'll be in jail. I I, I was yeah, I I was shocked. I couldn't even react to it for a good two minutes until he continued talking. And yeah, I totally agree with what you said. That is, it, it really is not the talk of a democracy. It's the talk of fascism and a dictator. <laughs> dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. And 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 we have seen it, as I said before, we have seen it in other countries. So hopefully the American people will see that and will look at the news from other countries and will, you know, vote accordingly. Yep. Well, I know we've mentioned some down moments from the debate, but let's talk about some of the disappointments or things that we wish would have happened during the debate. What do you have in mind, Carlos? Well, to me, during the debate, they really didn't talk about many of the issues that I really wanted to hear. They were never asked about immigration. They were mm -hmm. never asked about uh, racial justice, about child care about mm -hmm. the issues that we care about. They never talked about it. They were never asked about it. Trump actually, kind of at the beginning, basically, of the uh, debate, brought up his immigration plan that we all know pretty well what it is. Ugh. Deport the undocumented, or as he called, illegal aliens. And Ugh. he brought back, uh, again, his message of Latinos and Mexicans being criminals. So yeah. I, I was very pissed when he started talking about that, even though he even was not asked about that. And I was also waiting throughout the entire debate for the question about immigration, the question about the minimum wage, the question about housing, the question about all the issues that, um, that we care for and that we need to talk about. And, and what about you, Grecia? What what do you think about the debate? What was the thing that you disliked the most? I mean, you kind of stole mine. <laughs> yeah, but yes, no, I totally agree. I was waiting for immigration all night long and it never came up. But another piece that I was just upset with is that they gave time to that, that stupid last question. It, it was the, can you name one positive thing you respect in in the other candidate mm -hmm. i just thought it was mm -hmm. it was it was a waste of time like i'm not i'm not watching like a marriage counseling session i'm watching a presidential debate and it's exactly. unfair because no, <laughs> yeah, right like i don't care if they like each other i want to know what and are we know solutions. they hate each other so what right. if, you know we knew that what it, whatever they were coming up with as an answer it was gonna be a lie that was actually yeah. a lie so yeah, yeah that was I mean, very stupid and i also I agree mean, with you clinton found a way to to do a loophole right that she was like oh mm -hmm. his children are great <laughs> like nothing about him i can't think of anything and but i i honestly i i think it was just a waste of a question it was also unfair because no one should be forced to say something positive no. about trump <laughs> no, and Not actually, ever. for me, it was an opportunity for him to show off. And he did. He actually, his answer was pretty good. I don't like yeah. the guy. And it was obvious he was lying right away. His body language said something else. But he actually responded pretty well to that uh, question. Yeah. So I think it was I a question more for him to 
to do something good throughout the entire yeah to get brownie points right like to get brownie points for something that doesn't Mm -hmm. have any substance or meaning a simple Mm -hmm. question that would have been better on my end would have been like what what is the last book you read (laughs) you know like show us that you have prepared or done something intellectually stimulating in the last week and i can guarantee Mm -hmm. you that if if you ask that question trump could not probably he could not be able to say anything Mm -hmm. besides the art of the deal right like his own book (laughs) yeah they wasted more than five minutes there instead of asking a question about immigration or something that we really care about yeah well carlos thank you so much for (laughs) allowing me to vent with you about this crazy (laughs) presidential debate thank you for coming to our show thank you so much muchas gracias grecia for having me on your show and i hope one day we can actually do one with juanita too yeah so it it could be the the three of us doing this one day and i'm looking forward not only for the next presidential debate but also for november 8th and i know Mm -hmm. our immigrants and i know our uh, latinos will head to the polls and we will win and we will win big because that's what we're working for we need to win big because we have to show him and the entire GOP and other candidates that our vote really matters and Mm -hmm. that without our vote they're not going anywhere so they have to start paying attention to us and to our issues and to work with us in every single issue um, that affects our community so thank you so much again muchas gracias Grecia for having me and I look forward to uh, being part of the uh, show again Well, you heard the breaking news from Carlos Vogel. Our communities are going to show up to the polls and vote big. So thank you, Carlos, for reminding us. It's not just about what we say or what we think. It's about who we vote for on November 8th. And everyone out there, don't forget to vote on November 8th. Well, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud so you don't miss our next episode. And Sara English is our producer. Our music is composed by Vanessa Ramirez and performed by Grupo Bella. Special thanks today to Michael Saldarriaga, Tara Walsh, Elise Rojas Cruz, and huge, huge thank you to Carlos Vogel for helping us out with this show. And thanks to you, Grecia. Choices and Chismes is brought to you on behalf of Reform Immigration for America, fighting for immigrant rights since 2009. Learn more at reformimmigrationforamerica.org. Awesome. Well, I'm Gracia Lima. Y yo soy Carlos Vogel. Nos vemos. Nos vemos. Hey. <laughs>